today. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Rollin. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's good to see you today. I'm happy today um, because last night, um, yesterday, actually all of yesterday, uh, my wife and I got to celebrate our 17-year anniversary. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? <laughs> 17 years. And so um, I know for uh, some of you who are freshmen, that's almost as long as you've been alive. <laughs> so, so yes, we could be your parents, and like, but it was fantastic and good. And so we pray that uh, blessing over all of you who desire to be married at some point, that uh, God's grace and his faithfulness uh, would be to you and that you would have a fruitful and blessed marriage. It's, it's exciting and good, right? It is exciting and good. And so um, anyway, thanks for celebrating with us in just that moment. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. But besides that, I just wanted to say that it's uh, been good to be here together. I hope you were able to enjoy last week with uh, Pastor Reggie Roberson, uh, who came from North Carolina, which is our sending church uh, from North Carolina, and uh, he is the lead pastor there. And last week, as we were going through the scripture together, not only did we get to study the Word of God, uh, but we got to do an extra special on Saturday training in the spiritual gifts and how to be the body of Christ uh, in the city in which we live. And so... Um, If you were not able to participate in that, um, then there will be not only a podcast, but notes for you online that you can uh, catch up with, and we could certainly get uh, further training to you in that regard. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to jump right back into our series, which we've been doing uh, to get the new fiscal year started, and it's a series called In It, Not Of It. In it, not of it. And what we've been doing is we've been going through the book of Daniel, and we're going to continue to go through the book of Daniel over the next several weeks, because I really feel, very personally speaking, uh, that this is one of the most important messages that we have uh, to receive as the body of Christ here in our present times, because of the fact that even as this generation is known for wanting to be do-gooders, right? Um, you're, they're known for wanting to make an impact on the world around them. They're known for wanting to be culturally sensitive and diverse and things of that nature. It's uh, interesting that uh, as a Christian, uh, there's an assimilation or a syncretism that begins to take place without people even realizing it. They want to do good. They want to uh, be those who are known for uh, righteous living or righteous things, but they also have a mixing with the world that actually, even as they're trying to do good, um, stands opposed to the things of God. And so what happens is, is that you, in trying to do good, end up displeasing God to do good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so Jesus, what he was talking about in his messages is he was always saying, I want you absolutely to do good, right? Jesus is our example of doing good. Jesus is our example of righteous living. But there is something more than just doing good if you're a Christian. There's something more than just being um, known as somebody who's moral or somebody who does a few benevolent things for society around you, and it's being reconciled with all Almighty God, the one who made you, the one who loves you, the one who you're going to stand before one day in judgment and give an account for the life in which you've lived. And so what we're saying is ultimately far above all of the good that we can do, the greatest good that we can do is knowing the one true God. The greatest good that we can do is serving him wholeheartedly with all of our mind, soul, and strength. And then as we serve him in an unadulterated fashion with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that in fact is the greatest good for society around us. 
How many people believe that? Okay? So what we're doing through this series is we're actually going through Daniel and we're unpacking these ideas. How do we, according to Jesus, live in the world but not of it? How do we, in fact, live for Jesus, representing him properly, and actually do good to the world around us, but actually be a representative in an unadulterated fashion of the living God, okay? So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you that you have given us, uh, not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament, clear examples of how we're to be in this world, but not of it. God, we're asking that you would sanctify us by your truth, your word being truth to us today. And God, we're praying that you would help us to know you and to love you properly. Father, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, according to not our own ambitions, not according to our own spirituality, not even according to the spirituality of what we're surrounded by, but according to your word. God, we acknowledge once again that you said you've exalted above all things your name and your word. And so we cling to both of these today, the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, and also your word, God, your word that teaches us how to love you and please you in an unadulterated fashion. So we bless you today. Amen. All right, so here we go. We're going to start today in uh, Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, if you'd like to uh, listen to the podcast before of Daniel chapter 1, again, they're on the website. Um, But as we go into Daniel chapter 2 today, if you're taking notes, our sort of theme is going to be your gift, God's grace to save. Your gift, God's grace to save. Okay, And we're going to break that down, talking about how Daniel was in the world, not of it, using the gift of God. We're dovetailing off of what we talked about this past week. And if you're taking notes, we're going to break it down into three sections. Number one, your gift, which is actually the gift of God, which he gives you to employ for his kingdom purposes. So it's really not about you. It's about him. It's about the gift he's given you. Number two, God's preparation and the use of that gift. And then number three, God's grace. God's grace, employing that gift to save. Employing that gift to save. And so let's read, starting in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 2. It said, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb. How many people would like a boss like that? Okay. (laughs) And your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. 
Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Misael, Azariah, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Okay. Talk about demanding, demanding bosses. Anybody work for a demanding boss in here? Anybody ever work for a demanding boss? Okay. Well, you don't work for Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. You do not work. You may feel like it, but you don't. Okay. You are not, your life is not being threatened for the interpretation of dreams. And whenever we think about this, this is a perfect example for all of the things that we go through in our daily living. First, we'd like to say that whenever we're thinking about serving Christ, ultimately, we know that our workplace is ultimately our mission field. Our workplace is ultimately our mission field for the kingdom of God. Whenever God entrusts to you any particular gift, any particular talent, any particular acumen, you've gone to school, you've studied, you've gotten your degrees, you've gotten letters behind your name, and then now you have the ability to actually be inserted into society and make a difference some way, somehow. What we always say is that the kingdom of God is not just about you making a buck. How many people believe that? Okay, It is not just about you filling your bank account or your 401k or just being able to retire at 30, right? Anybody ever watch the CNBC Make It series? Okay, it's almost like they're always talking about how to retire at 30 or 40 and then do whatever for the rest of your life that you want to. That is not ultimately what life is about. We believe that God put you here for a reason and it's to honor and glorify him. We know that according to the Westminster um, um, Confession of Faith, we know basically that our greatest desire, our greatest aim in life is to cultivate the earth that God has entrusted to us as people, as we serve him properly. And that means whatever industry you find yourself in, whether you be a business person, whether you be an entertainer, whether you be a government official, whether you be a homemaker, whether you be an athlete, all things have been entrusted to us by God to cultivate and grow the earth according to his design that it might reflect his kingdom character and his kingdom purposes. And when he's entrusted a gift to you, the gift of God is 
for the flourishing of the earth, the flourishing of humanity as we choose to serve him in his way. And what we see is that the greatest flourishing that comes about is when people are reconciled to the living God. We see that problems and the ills of society that we're constantly talking about around us are the result of people being separated from God because of sin. How many people can say amen to that? It is not just a couple of bad people doing bad things. It is literally the heart of broken and fallen humanity separated from the God who gave them life. And because of that fallenness, you see all types of things on a micro level and on a macro level. You see all types of abuse. You see all types of violations. You see all types of greed and tyranny. You see all types of disease that's perpetuated by these things. And it's a result of sin entering the world. And whenever Jesus came to redeem the world through what he did on the cross, he said, I'm going to redeem the world first by by starting with what I do in the heart of a man or a woman. I'm going to reconcile them to myself. I'm going to set them free from the slavery to sin that has them standing opposed to me and therefore not only destroying their life, but destroying the world around them. And what God is doing is he's constantly trying to reconcile the world to himself by inserting or implanting his people into the world in which we find ourselves and saying, you're going to be salt and light there, and you are going to be part of my solution to redeem it through the gift that I give you. Now, in this particular instance, we see that at the time of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had a vast and expansive kingdom, but what we see is that in his rulership and at his time of his ruling, he was being spoken to by God. And a lot of times what we uh, have the image of is that we're always, as Christians, trying to come from the outside in trying to affect society. Anybody ever feel that way? Ever feel like you're trying to lob holy bombs? You know what I mean? It's a society saying, be holy. Jesus, Lord. Okay, so it's like, but that doesn't work, right? You've got to be in the mix of it. You've got to be in the middle of it to leaven it, as we talked about several weeks ago, so that the leaven of your life and your influence, God's influence through your life, works through the whole batch of dough. But the first thing that we need to acknowledge is, is that God is speaking before you ever show up in a situation. God himself is speaking to the rulers and the authorities and the powers that you're going to be surrounded by that God actually wants to influence through your life. So often we go into the workplace and we're intimidated thinking that, uh, you know, they're just get ready to get rid of me if I even say anything that reflects God or Jesus' standard or his values or anything like that. But the truth is, what we see, God's giving us a clear example with this instance with Nebuchadnezzar is before Daniel ever spoke to him about anything regarding the kingdom, God himself was giving him dreams. God himself was making an appeal to him. Because God loves all of humanity. God loves those who've grown up in church. God loves those who didn't grow up in the church. God loves the Muslim. God loves the atheist. God loves the agnostic. God loves the homosexual. God loves everyone who is at this point at a distance from him. And he's saying, I'm making appeals to them even before you get there. Even before you show up, I'm coming 
to reconcile the world to myself. And when you show up, I'm giving you a gift that's going to help them interpret the dream that I'm sending to them. To help them interpret what I'm speaking to them. That they might know me, see me clearly, and be reconciled to me as you use your gift. Stop thinking that you're being sent into the war on your own. Stop thinking that you have to make something happen on your own. God is always moving. God is always speaking. God is always making an appeal. And in this case with Nebuchadnezzar, he was clearly making an appeal to him, saying, listen, (coughs) though I in my sovereignty have given you the kingdoms of the earth at this time, right? A lot of us think about Nebuchadnezzar as an ancient man, but we could bring it even to our modern context, right? The Fortune 500 companies that many of us work for. The Fortune 500 companies that are the disruptors that are in the news all the time. And we think that they're so far from God right now that God can't have any influence in that place. If we could only just have a private spirituality and not think about affecting the world around us, just hold our ground, then everything will be okay. But God's saying, no, I'm up in the midst of that, the kingdoms of this earth. I'm in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And at at the time of Nebuchadnezzar, he was speaking to the ruler of the age. Who do you think about as the rulers of this age? Who do you think about as the people of influence, of power, those having the ability to turn society on a dime by buying newspapers, right? Come on, Jeff Bezos. Washington, what? Washington Post? Anybody read the Washington Post? Okay. Or what? We have Benioff who just brought the Time magazine, right? Helping to shape the culture in which we live today. But guess what? God himself is speaking to the people today, the rulers of this age. And when he was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, he said, listen, even though I've given you a kingdom, and yes, it was God giving Nebuchadnezzar a kingdom for that period of time, just like he gives the rulers or the leaders of four to 500 companies a kingdom per se for this time. He says, I'm speaking to them and I'm making an appeal to them. And they'll be troubled. Though they might have all types of wealth, all types of influence. How many people know several people around you in these situations who might seem to have it all together according to the ways of the world, but inwardly their lives are falling apart? Their lives are falling apart, whether it be their marriages, whether it be their child raising, whether it be their own health or their own, here's here's what Nebuchadnezzar would eventually experience, their own sanity. They're working, they're achieving, they're getting all these accolades, but inwardly they're falling apart. And God in his love and mercy is speaking to them. And he says, I want you to use your gift. I want you to use your gift to be a part of the redemption of the people that I'm trying to reach in the place in which you find yourself. What was Daniel's gift? Well, we know that Daniel's gift was a prophetic gift. We know that Daniel's gift was a prophetic gift. This is the same thing in the Old Testament, New Testament. We see that Daniel, obviously, through the Holy Spirit, much of his ministry was not only prophesying, 
to Nebuchadnezzar interpreting his dreams, but it also later we'll see was also about the coming kingdoms, the rising and falling of kingdoms that would be in the earth. He would also speak about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was coming to do his redemptive work, right? A predictive, redemptive gift. But in this instance, it was very practical. It had to do with his everyday experience. He said, I'm basically going into work. My boss is angry because he's disturbed about these dreams he's getting. He wants to get rid of everyone. It's almost like if you get a new CEO and they get like they clean house. They're like, everybody's got to go. The whole board's got to go. Anybody been following Tesla recently? Okay, like Elon needs some help. Like, listen, he's like the whole board, right? They need, we need to revamp this. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar was saying. None of you can help me. I've built this kingdom and none of you can speak to the issues that are going on in my heart. But God's speaking and then he sends his people to interpret the dream through their gift. And he says, Daniel, speak with prudence. <laughs> speak with wisdom. Don't go in there blazing as if you own the place. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> right? I got something to say. No, 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 no. Speak with prudence. Speak with wisdom. Make an appeal to the king and say, just give me some time. Give me some time and I'll be able to interpret that dream for you. I'll be able to speak to the thing that's actually going on in your heart, in your mind, the thing that troubles you. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 in the New Testament says it this way, speaking about even the gift that Daniel had. He says, and if I, speak, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to move mountains but have love, I am nothing. So you're coming there with wisdom and prudence, but also what? Hello, love. Wisdom, prudence, and love. I'm not just coming to tell people they're wrong. I'm not just coming to tear people down. I'm coming in love, right? Coming in love to try to use the gift to interpret the dreams that they might see Christ in his glory. God's going to put you right in a place to do that through the gift that he's entrusted to you. The question is, what is that gift? You'll be positioned by God in your everyday work life, friendship group, and community living to interpret dreams leading to the gospel. But before you do that, let me tell you something. You're going to need some preparation. Some preparation. Daniel, if you can imagine this, as this word was coming that he's going to get rid of all the enchanters, the magicians, and the wise men in his time, Daniel had to be prepared to use that gift. If you think about most of a person's workday or work-life experience, you're just thinking about the next job that needs to be done, right? The next project that needs to be completed, the next task that needs to be done, right? But Daniel had a different posture. If Daniel did not have a connection, an ongoing private connection to God that he took into the workplace... When that decree came that all of the magicians and the enchanters and the Chaldeans were to be put to death because nobody could interpret the dream, all Daniel would have done was buckle like everybody else. All Daniel would have done has been like, oh gosh, well, I guess I got to go back to LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, you know I, I guess it's on the, anybody enjoying the Monster App commercials right now? 
I'm not going to be around here much longer. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right? And then, okay, anyway, you don't have to worry about it. Okay, but the point is, it's like you would respond in the same way as everyone else, right? But because Daniel was prepared in his heart, having an ongoing life of worship and cultivating his gift before God, before that time came, Right? Before that time came, when that decree came that could have ended his life and the life of everyone around him, he was ready in his posture to seek the face of God, saying, just give me some time. Listen, don't be rash. Don't be impulsive, Nebuchadnezzar. There is an answer for these dreams that are troubling you. Just give me some time because all these other people may not have answers for you, but the God of heaven does. The true God of heaven and earth has an answer for the ills that are besetting you, that are besetting this kingdom, that are tearing you down. And Daniel had to be prepared to use his gift. This means you must have a vibrant life in the word of God prior to these opportunities presenting themselves. It's not if, but when they present themselves. You must have the word of God filling your heart so that you're postured to respond like God would. Number two, you've got to have an ongoing prayer life on your own to be prepared for it and confident enough to seek answers when these opportunities come. How did Daniel have the confidence to go to Nebuchadnezzar and say, wait, God, the God of heaven will speak to you and interpret these dreams. It's because he had an ongoing dialogue with God prior to that time. Some of us are lack so much confidence, we wouldn't think that we had any answers to give anybody about anything. Why? Because we've been so separated from God, we're not recognizing his voice. We don't believe he could speak to anyone else. We don't believe he speaks to us. But when God himself is saying, cultivate this time in the word, cultivate this time in worship, cultivate this time in prayer, then when these opportunities come, you're like, I've got an answer for you and I know exactly where to go. My confidence is in the Lord who speaks. And he's able to interpret dreams. He's able to use this gift to give you the answers which you seek. And you know what? Daniel was already seeing, wait a minute, this prophetic gift that I've been given wasn't just for me. It wasn't just to give me goosebumps or make me all tingly and say, woo, I'm spiritual. (laughs) The gift was actually going to be for the saving of lives. Because if he didn't interpret that dream by the hand of God properly, he and his companions, along with all the other magicians, enchanters, and Chaldeans, would have been gone by the decree of the king. But he stepped up and said, wait, hold on now. Give me some time. I've got confidence that the God of heaven can interpret these dreams. I've cultivated a life from him. I've heard from him. And now I'm going to hear from him again to speak to you. You must, like Daniel, be in a lifestyle Rhythm that has your thoughts, faith, and activities turned towards heaven and oriented to the purposes of God. If you don't, if you play basketball, right? Anybody play basketball? Just for fun. Anybody play basketball in here? Anybody watch basketball in here? Anybody ever seen a basketball? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> okay. We're all in this together. Okay. If you're, if you're going to play some defense, what do you have to do? If you're not going to get your ankles broken, what do you need to do? It's the proper stance, right? You got to get in your proper stance, knees bent, ready to go, right? So that when somebody's dribbling, going through, trying to be all fancy, you know, I'm going to break your ankles. I'm going to break your ankles. You know what I mean? Then you're like, listen, fool, get, right? You just take the ball because you're already ready to go. But if you are not in a ready position, you're going to end up on your butt. Isn't that true? In the same way, God's like, be in a ready position, Because it's not if I'm speaking, but as I'm speaking. Not when I, not only when I speak, but when I open up the opportunity to you. You're ready to interpret these dreams for the saving of many lives. Otherwise, you will miss the eternal soul-saving opportunities that are presented to you and suffer the same fate as those around you. You hear that? If you're not in the ready position, you will suffer the same fate as those around you. If Daniel didn't have a ready answer for the king's dreams, he would have been killed along with them. And God's like, get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. But Daniel didn't do it on his own. How did he prepare? Daniel cultivated his focus and his gift with his brothers. Hananiah. Misael and Azariah, right? When he said, King, give me some time, what did he do? He immediately ran to those other Hebrew boys that he knew that were worshiping the God of heaven, right? Daniel didn't think, I'm the sole prophet. You know what I mean? I got all the answers in and of myself. It's just about me and God. What did he do? He ran immediately to those who were also worshiping the God of heaven, saying, Seek the God of mercy. Seek the God of heaven for mercy because we're in dire straits right now, but God can come through, but I need you to do this with me. And part of preparation is actually having a lifestyle with other people who are seeking the God of heaven, who are seeking his kingdom, who are preaching this gospel, saying, let's pray, let's believe, let's ask God together to open doors that no man can shut. Let's ask God for the revelation and the use of these gifts that'll turn a pagan king to righteousness if we could just use this gift to interpret these dreams, right? This is what he did. But unfortunately, what we see is that in our modern culture, statistically, there's a company called the Rocket Company that tracks the uh, patterns of modern uh, culture. And Rocket Culture, actually, the Rocket Company actually said this. Statistically, American churchgoers show up about 1.5 times a month to church or any type of spiritual activity. 1.5 times a month. Now, that's not a statistic to bring condemnation, but it's to give perspective. It's to give perspective. When you are inundated with all the ways of the world, continually not encouraging you, but discouraging the things of God in your life, and you expect to have the strength 1.5 times a month, that would, so if there's an hour and a half service, that would actually be like basically about two and a half hours a month. 
two and a half hours a month investing into the things of God. And then you have a litany of other things bogging you down. Why do you expect to have the strength to stand up not only against the kingdom of darkness, but actually have a word to interpret what's going on around you? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. People come to me and say, Roland, I'm struggling in my faith. And I ask them, when's the last time you read your Bible? If somebody comes to me and says, Roland, I'm hungry, I'm going to say, when's the last time you ate? <laughs> Roland, I'm thirsty. Would you like a drink? <laughs> but we think it's somehow different in our spiritual life. We think it's somehow different in the church. And God's like, wisdom cries out in the streets. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? He says, repent of the simplistic thinking. In your faith, be like children, but in your actions, be adults. Live differently. It's hard to develop any momentum for winning souls, discipleship, growth, giving, or community impact with a lack of commitment. The church is not meant to be interacted with as you interact with your Amazon account, your Instagram account, or any other thing that you just go to whenever you feel like it. Part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is a fruit called faithfulness. That needs to be cultivated if you're to grow. If you're to grow. This is how the writer of Hebrews said it in Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the most holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's what we need when we're in the world, but not of it. Over and over again, right? He said, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, right? He says, because I'm faithful, I want you to be yeah, not a trick question. Because I'm faithful, I want you to be? That's right. He says, be holy in all that you do because God's holy. He said, be an imitator of God. He says, what I do, you do, and it will go well with you. In it, not of it. Jesus was in it, not of it, right? He said, let us hold fast his confession of faith because he's promised faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up like a beehive. Mm. <laughs> mm. I like that. I like the mic. Okay, so listen. Like a beehive. Stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
This is supremely encouraging to me because though we read that statistic from Rocket, I was about to say Rocket Mortgage, sorry, not Rocket Mortgage, you know, but Rocket whatever, you know, we see that Paul was having to deal, or I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews was having to deal with the same thing back then because it's a human condition to gravitate not towards faithfulness, but towards inconsistency. And God's saying, listen, if I'm going to use your gift, I've got to have you prepared. So you might be ready and have the strength to do it. Here's another thing, just because it's volunteer fair today. That's right. Don't just show up when you're serving. Some people just show up because they're like setting up or tearing down or on the worship team. It's like, I'll play, but after that, I'm going to play. You get that? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Don't just show up when you're serving. That is no way to be a disciple or make disciples. Sure, it's in a way to be a parent, right? I'm just going to show up whenever I want to play. And that's like, well, B's got dinner. (laughs) We can't do that in the church either. You must learn to choose God's blessed life versus your hashtag best life now. You hear that? You need to choose God's blessed life rather than just your best life now. And if we do that, we'll walk in God's grace. God's grace to save. Everybody with me? Everybody angry with me? Yes. (laughs) That's okay. I love you. I love you. That's why I'm saying these things. God's grace, the gift was meant for saving lives, for the saving of lives. We're going to finish in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. The king Nebuchadnezzar, after Daniel interpreted his dream for him, after Daniel interpreted the dream for him, it said Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. You see that? King Nebuchadnezzar, who God was speaking to, who Daniel used his gift to interpret his dreams. Ultimately, you think about the hardest of hearts, right? The most difficult case that you can imagine. And then all of a sudden, this person is on their face saying, the God of heaven, the God you serve is real and true. Nobody else could do what you just did unless God were with him. Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts. That's what everybody wants. <laughs> made, him, right, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Everybody's like, yay, I want to jump to that. We'll interpret some dreams. This is why it happened. And chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon, Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. God's grace was basically meant for the saving of his lives because he was able to interpret the dream. Not only were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, Dan- like, who were his companions that he went to, saved, Daniel was saved. Not only was Daniel was saved, but we could imagine that some of the other enchanters were saved as well. When you use your gift, it's actually for the saving of many lives. It's actually to open people's eyes 
to Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, to see them come from death to life, darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. When you just use your gift faithfully. And so, in short, as we're ending today, how do we practice these things? Well, one way that you can do it is actually through what we're doing this afternoon, a volunteer fair. Many of you have gifts that can be utilized, practiced with the people of God in the house of God so that when you leave the house of God, you're in your ready position. Standing and cultivating that gift so that you're ready to strike whenever the door opens. I like what Dave, uh, Dave Hedger, who's uh, celebrating his anniversary with Lindsay, the worship leader uh, today. They're on their anniversary weekend trip this weekend. Um, but he actually said it this way, uh, uh, just as an example of the tech team. Some of you have technical skill. And he sent in a little note as to what the tech team's ambition or what their mission is. And he said, our vision for tech team is to remove any distractions, right? That means somebody putting up PowerPoint slides, you know what I mean? Loading up things like that. He said, our vision for tech team is to remove any distractions to help enable the congregation to worship Jesus freely. How many people know that if like while I was talking, you, every like every other word was like, <laughs> right? It'd be hard to receive the word of God, Right? Or when the worship team was uh, playing, it was like, bam, you know, it was blasting you out. You'd be like, hallelujah, hallelujah, out the door. But the tech team actually helps worship in the use of their gift this way, right? We also aim to serve the worship team and assist with any technical needs. Our overarching vision is to magnify Christ through behind-the-scenes service so that our church can experience Christ during our Sunday service, be further knit into community with other believers, and go out into our weeks engaging the culture. I was like, preach, preacher! <laughs> For the tech team using their gift. Right? There are all types of gifts to be utilized in this fashion. And this is true of every area of service in the house of God. Whether you're on the worship team, in the children's ministry, a community group leader, hanging curtains, greeting the newcomer to the church, or bringing the word of God on a Sunday. They all have use in building the eternal kingdom of God. But you've got to choose by faith to get active. Some of you are visiting today from elsewhere. Where you find yourself, get active in the church. It's not just about Second City. It's about the church of Jesus Christ. Wherever you find yourself, get active. Use your gift for the saving of many lives. And I'll end it with this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said it this way. If a man is called to be a street sweeper. How many people have heard this quote before? Okay, I love it. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets. Uh, what? He should dance a bit, whatever. Okay, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. No work is insignificant. 
All labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. And whenever we have that perspective in the kingdom of God, not only will we acknowledge the gifts that he's entrusted to us, not only will we be prepared to utilize them, but we'll see them as God's grace for the saving of many lives. The question today is, have you met Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords? And if so, are you ready to use the gift that he's given you for the saving of many lives? And I hope everyone's answer today is yes and amen to the glory of the living God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. All right, worship team, let's go on up. Let's worship God acceptably now with song. And then afterward, we're going to have an opportunity to worship him with our strength, our gifts, our talents as we get involved in his kingdom work. Amen? Amen? All right.